Hi, everyone. You are listening to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today I'm joined by Paolo Ardoino, CTO of Bitfinex, a digital asset trading platform. Today, Paolo and I are going to discuss the evolution of payments in the last decade and how the future is looking like with the surge of cryptocurrencies. But before we kick off, Paolo, maybe you would like to tell us a bit more about yourself, Bitfinex, and what makes the platform stand out from other marketplaces. Yeah, sure. So uh, first of all, thank you very much, Gaia, for having invited me today. It's a pleasure. Bitfinex. Bitfinex is um, one of the top cryptocurrency and digital asset exchanges in the world. So Bitfinex was born in 2012, and uh, one of the main features that um, Bitfinex was offering right off from the start was um, margin trading. Margin trading is that um, feature that allows traders to go long and short of an asset with uh, possibly some leverage as well. So uh, Bitfinex started offering margin trading in the crypto space when basically most of the entire crypto space was still trading just Bitcoins spot trading Bitcoin. So in 2012-13, Bitfinex consolidated a little bit uh, its position. And then after 2014, it started growing its offering as well as team because you know the more the time was passing, the more Bitcoin was going to be more exciting, more traded, see more volumes, more adoption, more diffusion across uh, also legacy traders and professional traders. So that was um, 2014-15, where um, actually the year of uh, quite a sudden raise for for Bitfinex in terms of popularity. And then um, 2016 and 17 have been amazing years. People that are were involved in the crypto industry since almost the beginning, I recall 2017 as the first uh, real crypto boom with all the ICOs, new tokens created on, on Ethereum, first stablecoin tether that um, reached 1 billion in a market cap for the first time. And then at the end of 2017, we were, as a crypto industry, we were recognized to be an actual real industry with a lot of uh, innovation going on with uh, a lot of perspective and the potential for the future. I, I would say that uh, uh, Bitfinex uh, really consolidated its position as a professional trading platform in 2017-18, um, when we had a period of extreme volatility. Bitfinex is actually considered still today the most professional and high-performance trading platform because our we see crypto space as definitely something that... Uh, needs to reach mass adoption. Uh, and in order to reach mass adoption, you have to build an infrastructure that is similar to what you are expecting from a traditional financial exchange like you know, NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange, and so on, right? So uh, being able to process millions of transactions per second, being able to serve hundreds of thousands of customers, if not millions of customers, all together connected to the platform and so on. So uh, the ability of our team is to research and implement scalability uh, technologies that allow us to uh, be the best in, in this type of situations. It was March 2020, 
when the um, stock market crashed, because I think that um, the U.S. President uh, Donald Trump topped all the inbound flights to the U.S. from outside because of the first COVID pandemic. And then the stock market crashed, on, as well as all the entire crypto market crashed from uh, 40 to 70 percent in certain cases. And Bitfinex was actually the first, the on, actually was the only platform that was able to resist and to keep servicing with a really high uh, level of performance, its customers. So we, once again, we got basically at that point, the, um, the little surname of up-only platform because we are able to um, to stay up in um, the worst of the situations. And uh, yeah, so this is why, why Bitfinex is, 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 and also if I can add, uh, Bitfinex is actually a platform that is built by Bitcoiners, is a platform that is built with, you know, the that passion that's new looking at something new in terms in finance that you hardly find in in other platforms right so we we look at first we adopt bitcoin and we use bitcoin and and it's all technology layers into our platform because we want to showcase the beauty of this uh, brilliant innovation to the world and you can really see that in 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 bitfinex compared to the other platform right so the in general with platforms trading platforms tend to add as many tokens as possible. And this is something that also, of course, Bitfinex has a really wide variety of tokens. But um, at the same time, we always remain um, loyal to the ethos of, of, um, of crypto that is you know, Bitcoin first, let's focus on technology first, let's educate people and the newcomers to this new technology. That's great. Thank you, Pilo. I'm glad you started drawing a sort of timeline around the journey of the company, but also, you know, in parallel, the journey of the coin as well. But let's start from the very beginning. So payments have changed hugely in the last 10 years. And also the way we think about wealth has been changing. What do we mean by that? And how the two concepts are related to each other. Yeah, so payments is the thing that everyone do every single day, right? So everything that you do in your you know, in your day-to-day life is doing payments. You know, you if you live in London, you pay the tube to go to work, you pay Uber, you you buy gro- uh, groceries, you pay everything with your credit card, right? So payments and um, I would say micro payments and high frequency payments are actually something that are that is something that is extremely deep in our lives now payment industry have evolved and uh, you know the number of transactions daily processed by the credit card giants are are growing by the day and uh, we also that that also uh, increase with um, the growth and popularity of uh, e-commerces and, uh, at the same time uh, bitcoin was born in 2008 and bitcoin was born as uh, a payment system a peer to peer payment system that aims to remove intermediaries and uh, allow people that are peers, consider peers, right? Everyone is alike. Everyone uh, matters and counts in the same way as part of the system. So Bitcoin uh, started with this new crazy idea of, okay, why why we need banks? Why we need centralized parties that uh, process my transaction where we can have a network that is extremely secure that is transparent and is extremely fast 
in order to process transactions. Of course, Bitcoin as a base layer is not extremely fast, but we there are solutions that that are showcasing you know millions of transactions per, per second even potentially. But you can see that from one side, you know the the recent uh, history of uh, humanity is pushing for more payments, to faster payments, to smaller payments because now you know. 20 years ago, people were using credit cards to be do bigger transactions. And now you pay your coffee at Starbucks with your credit card, right? Your debit. The need, and at the same time, again, the, the need of um, removing intermediaries that are taking fees up to 3, 4, 5% from people, that was a really big need and, and really important. Because I believe that in 2008, as a Response as, as response as a reaction from complete control and um, elitary finance that uh, you know cryptography group. Well, actually, um, Satoshi Nakamoto, that was clearly part of a um, cryptography group, created this uh, idea of um, this decentralized payment system. And uh, at its core, there is um, the concept of removing intermediaries, uh, as well as uh, allowing people to take and keep control of their own, their own wealth, right? So today you deposit your money in the bank and uh, if the bank fails, you don't know if you are getting your money back or you get you know, only a portion of your money up to a certain threshold. This, this entire thing is sold by Bitcoin and by this uh, crypto movement where everything is public, everything is transparent. Um, you can see uh, everything that happens on a blockchain. And people can actually own for once, for the first time in their history, can they can own their own wealth. They wake up in the morning, they don't have to worry if their wealth is gone, if the, is the, if the bank had an issue or so on, or there is a um, devaluation of their money, like in certain parts of the world, like we think Venezuela and uh, other you know, American countries, you can see that the inflation is crazy. Also, Argentina, there is a huge deflation and the devaluation of the national currency. So all of that is actually and sold by Bitcoin as a payment system, as a store wealth system. So uh, if we unify the two things, we have to, of course, years of um, iteration, product improvements, technology improvements on top of Bitcoin and other uh, blockchain, we are now in a, in a uh, situation where we can actually provide a payment system that is extremely fast, that is almost trustless, that cut the interior is basically does not have any more fees. I, I think that we are now in 2021 at the really key moment for the payment industry where for once, we can have payments that avoid to pay 3% to MasterCard or Visa that are 3% of funds of people that work hard for that, right? So there is no reason why the fees has to be so high. And, you know, it's some sort of way is, is greediness. And that is also part of the reason why there is this huge movement that is gaining popularity to trying to remove these intermediaries from the play. Great. And on this note, as you were saying, this is a key moment, pivotal moment. As we were discussing before, cryptocurrencies have been around for quite a while now, but Specifically, during the past couple of years, I'd say they've gained some traction and the adoption is way more widespread. Would you say that the shift to digital and to cashless societies and to digital payments has helped in this sense? I think that uh, we as a society are, uh, and I don't want to get too futuristic, but um, 
we are going towards a full digitalization in a way. So we are seeing uh, now, you know, we, we are even seeing things like the metaverse, right? So Facebook focusing on creating an alternate world with NFTs and so on. Everything like the cash, the, the paper cash is, uh, is going probably to be removed, not because it's going to be forcefully removed, but because um, it will be much easier um, for everyone to start adopting digital transactions. We are seeing banks and central banks that are interested to, let's say, swap out or update their um, settlement, the global settlement layer and network from you know, the old SWIFT um, or ACH to potentially a blockchain-based system. We are seeing that in, with the concept of called the CBDCs, so central bank digital currencies. We are seeing this as uh, probably the, a future that is likely to happen and consolidate really a lot in the next five to 10 years, where the cash will keep uh, being reduced. Also, because, of course, governments want to have more control over the way people spend their own money. And this is, again, one of the things that uh, cryptocurrencies are trying to push back in a sense. Still, again, with providing high transparency also to governments, but at the same time, uh, they want to make sure that the people can actually keep uh, using their own money in the way that we, that they want. So, but um, I believe that in the future, we are going to see more, if we have X number of transactions and digital payments today, we are going to be easily to, from 10 to 100x within just a few years. Earlier on, you were mentioning Argentina, and that resonated with me because recently in emerging markets in particular, there's been an uptick in the use of Bitcoin specifically. What's driving this trend? You know, imagine that um, uh, you live in Argentina and um, your national currency is devaluating against the dollar, you know, 30% in a year. So you keep trying to save. You work, you work hard all the day, and then you save money. And yeah, with that money, you can always buy less and less and less because you, as a country, you import a lot of goods from the outside. So of course, in order to pay the goods that you are importing, if you pay with your national currency, you have to pay much more because the devaluation of your national currency. So people get upset. They don't want to, to see another crisis. Well, they have already many crises there in terms of national currency. People are sick of that. Um, they want to have an edge. They want to, they, they really want to be able to live their lives and um, enjoy the result of their hard work. So Bitcoin is something that uh, they can keep. They can keep safe. They don't need any bank to, to keep it safe. It's easy to, to see that is the only uh, anchor that people can, can have in order to start planning their lives, right? They want to buy a house. They, maybe they want to move abroad and so on. If the, your country keep losing its national digital national currency, will keep losing 30% of value every year. I mean, you, you keep trying to save and you'll, in the end, you will be, you work one entire year, you will be in the same position of the year before. In the end, uh, it's been inevitable for emerging countries or looking at uh, Venezuela. Also, Turkey is another important country for, for crypto. They are deeply into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for all, uh, more or less the same reasons. One last question. Do you expect other countries to follow El Salvador example and adopt Bitcoin as a national currency. What are your feelings around that? 
I think that uh, many countries will follow that uh, example. It's easier for countries that they don't have their national currency. So El Salvador didn't have their own national currency. Their only legal tender was actually dollar. Now they add the Bitcoin. Other countries are in the same situation will definitely follow up. At the same time, certain countries that uh, don't, uh, that have their own national currency like um, Argentina, will not necessarily be happy about it because it will pose a bigger threat to their own currency. So um, but I think that in the future, we are going to see many more um, uh, nations that are going to necessarily not accept Bitcoin as the legal tender, but will push Bitcoin as an alternative or as an investment uh, asset as a, or a commodity and, and so on. So... Uh, there are different ways you can bring Bitcoin to the masses and not just only make it um, uh, uh, available as a legal tender. Lovely. Thank you, Paolo. This was super insightful. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you very much, Gaia. Thank you for uh, inviting me.